You're listening to Find Your Voice, a podcast made in collaboration with the independent federal member for Goldstein, Zoe Daniel. This podcast is recorded on the traditional land of the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation. Hello and welcome to Find Your Voice. I'm Zoe Daniel and this is a podcast started during my election campaign for the seat of Goldstein, which has since evolved into a place where we host in-depth conversations on issues and policies impacting both my electorate and broader Australia. Today, I'll begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording, the Bunwarung people of the Kulin Nation and their elders past and present, and I'd like to extend that respect to any First Nations people tuning in today. I'm joined today by Kieran Pender. Kieran is a senior lawyer in the Democratic Freedoms Team at the Human Rights Law Centre. Kieran works to protect Australia's whistleblowers, fight secrecy, defend free speech and prevent mass surveillance. He's also an award-winning journalist, contributing to The Guardian, The Saturday Paper and The New York Times. Welcome, Kieran. Thanks, Zoe. Great to be on. I think we can see that Australian whistleblower protection laws are failing and that's highlighted by the current prosecutions of Richard Boyle and David McBride, both on trial for calling out government wrongdoing. What do you think the key shortcomings are that these cases are illuminating? Indeed, and the fact that right now in Australia we have two people on trial for telling the truth about government wrongdoing I think is alarming and something that should concern all of us. Whistleblowers make Australia a better place by exposing government wrongdoing, human rights abuses, corporate misdeeds. We need whistleblowers speaking up about wrongdoing in participation with the media, with public interest journalism all too often to ensure that wrongdoing is addressed and we have accountability. We have laws that on paper should be helping whistleblowers do just that, laws that say if you see wrongdoing at work, you can speak up. Almost every person listening to this podcast who, who, who is in the, in, in the workplace will be protected under whistleblowing law. We have all these different laws that protect all these different types of workers, public sector workers, private sector workers, non-profit workers. So the laws on paper say that if you speak up about wrongdoing, you'll be protected, but they're not working. And these two cases really vividly highlight that because they're two people who thought they were doing the right thing, thought they were speaking up safely and lawfully about wrongdoing and now find themselves on trial. So that's why it's so important we fix the law. Um, but for as long as these prosecutions continue, that's a real barrier to effective reform because of a lack of confidence uh, in these laws when you've got two people on trial for telling the truth. So in the cases of Boyle and McBride and the court proceedings that have taken place, in effect, we know that both came forward and told the truth about completely different situations. And those cases have in many ways been played out through the media um, and in other ways through, through the courts, yet these two people are still stuck in the legal system. Uh, from a non-lawyer's perspective, that just seems to beg a belief when we, we know that what they said was true uh, and it appears to me that it was in the public interest that that came out. So, What's wrong in the law that means that they're still stuck? Yeah, great question. And, and indeed, I think a lot of people, when they learn about these cases, are struck by the injustice that they represent. So in Richard Boyle's case, he worked at the tax office. He blew the whistle on unethical debt recovery practices at the tax office. The tax office has enormous power to go after people, to go after their 
their bank accounts to take money when people haven't paid their tax. Of course, paying your tax is an important part of being part of Australian society, but those powers need to be used carefully and consistently because they are so uh, powerful. Uh, Richard Boyle spoke up that they were being used improperly. He spoke up internally. He spoke up to the tax ombudsman. And as a last resort, he went to the ABC and Sydney Morning Herald. And he's being vindicated. There have been independent reviews and inquiries that have found that there was wrongdoing going on at that part of the tax office. Practices have changed as a result. And yet he's on trial and he's been on trial for five years now, ever since he uh, was first charged um, all the way back in 2018, 2019. So really problematic case. The issue in that case is he's been charged in relation to the, the conduct prior to blowing the whistle. So he said, I'm protected by whistleblowing law. And the judge said, because the steps you took to blow the whistle prior to actually blowing the whistle is not protected. Now, he's appealed and the Human Rights Law Centre has intervened in that appeal as a friend of the court. And that judgment is outstanding at the moment. And we'll hopefully get a a judgment in that in the next uh, couple of months a really critically important test case for the strength of whistleblower protection laws in Australia because if those laws only protect the actual act of blowing the whistle and not reasonably necessary conduct in being going to blowing the whistle, like you know, how can you go to the ombudsman, how can you go to a journalist, which the law says you can do in certain circumstances if you can't take paperwork, if you can't prepare notes about what you're blowing the whistle on, um, so that's a case that really undermines whistleblowing law and really important uh, judgment that, that we're awaiting at the moment. Um, the McBride case, he also claimed a defence under whistleblowing law. He worked for the, the Defence Force in Afghanistan as a lawyer. He uh, is alleged to have blown the whistle internally first to two oversight bodies and then again as a last resort to the ABC. And people may remember the raids on the ABC in 2019. That was in relation to the reporting that is alleged to have phoned from the the McBride whistleblowing, the Afghan files reporting. He also claimed that he was protected by whistleblowing law, but the government last year made a national security intervention in his case that forced him to withdraw that defence. So he goes on trial uh, in November in just six or seven weeks. The first person on trial in relation to war crimes committed by Australian forces in Afghanistan and it's the whistleblower, not the war criminal who's on trial. Yeah, it's all sort of very confusing um, from from the outsider looking in. And I know that a lot of people have been calling for the Attorney-General to intervene in these cases, including me. Before we sort of move on to some potential steps that could be taken for, for future future whistleblowers, what in a legal sense is preventing... Mark Dreyfus from getting involved in these cases. He, he's saying it has to happen in exceptional circumstances that that he would step in, um, and he's been very strong on the the concept of separation powers in in relation relation to these cases. So, what's what what do you think the sticking point is there stopping the Attorney General from moving on this? There's two people in Australia that have the power to prevent these whistleblowers going on trial, there's the real potential that whistleblowers, David McBride, Richard Boyle, could go to jail for telling the truth about government wrongdoing. That will have a real chilling effect on whistleblowing in Australia. It will really undermine accountability and transparency in this country. There's two people who can stop that. 
the Commonwealth Director of Public Prosecutions and the Attorney General. The Attorney General has the power under federal law to discontinue prosecutions, and that's recognition in our system that the Attorney General is ultimately responsible for the criminal justice system. Now, that is a rarely used power. It's rarely used for a reason because the Commonwealth Director of Public Prosecutions is an independent body, but ultimately the attorney has to be accountable for these prosecutions. He did the right thing last year. There was another whistleblower on trial, Bernard Caleri, who helped expose Australia's espionage towards Timor-Leste, our neighbour, when we spied on them for commercial gain in in the mid-2000s. After the the Albanese government uh, were elected, the Attorney General dropped that case. That was the right thing to do. But as the Human Rights Law Centre said at the time, it was really a case of one down, two to go. And so far, the attorney has refused to drop these two cases. He said that that power is only for use in exceptional circumstances. These are exceptional circumstances. The chilling effect of these cases, the impact on press freedom more than warrants the Attorney General's intervention, and that's why we have and will continue to call on the Attorney General to act. The war on whistleblowers that was started under the Morrison government needs to end, and while it continues under the watch of the Attorney General, that's really negative for our democracy. Is there a counter-argument, which I'm sure the Attorney would make, that you know, th- these circumstances are, aren't exceptional enough, that, you know, the the test um, has to be an extremely high bar, that, you know, he's already stepped into the Kaleri case, that he can't, you know, step into cases willy-nilly, that these, especially uh, one of these cases is on foot in the courts, the other ones yet to go through the courts, that, you know, it's best to stay out of it. What's the response to that? I think the response to that is what could be more exceptional than two Australians going on trial for telling the truth about wrongdoing that's been independently verified and vindicated. Um, The tax office has changed its practices after several independent inquiries from the Ombudsman, from the Small Business Ombudsman, from the Senate have found that Richard Boyle's whistleblowing was vindicated. The Brereton inquiry into war crimes committed by Australian soldiers in Afghanistan the defamation judgment in the Ben Robert Smith case, which I note is on appeal, all of which have agreed with what Richard Boyle and David McBride separately exposed about wrongdoing at the tax office, wrongdoing at the ADF, and yet these two people are on trial. Um, That is exceptional. That is bad for our democracy, and it undermines the good work the government is doing. This government is doing really good work on press freedom, on addressing secrecy, on whistleblower protection. I commend it for doing that. But for as long as these cases continue, that good work is undermined. I think that the fact that these cases are not in the public interest was really vividly demonstrated by the fact that the Commonwealth Director of Public Prosecutions considered charging the ABC journalist, Dan Oakes, who did the Afghan files reporting that was sourced allegedly by David McBride, and decided not to proceed with prosecution because it decided that it was not in the public interest because of the press freedom implications. That was the correct decision. Whistleblowers shouldn't be on trial. Journalists shouldn't be on trial. But if it's not okay to prosecute the journalist, it's not okay to prosecute the whistleblower either. So these are both exceptional cases and they're cases where the Attorney General needs to intervene. Uh, Again, just to repeat the point, in a matter of weeks, David McBride is going on trial, the first person on trial in relation to war crimes in Afghanistan. Not only does that undermine our democracy and press freedom, It also suggests we're not taking accountability for those war crimes in Afghanistan seriously. 
we're working with Afghan uh, human rights groups. We've got a, an Afghan human rights official coming to Australia uh, in the coming weeks in relation to this case. What message does it send to the world? Does it send to people in Afghanistan when the person on trial first in relation to those war crimes is the whistleblower and not an alleged war criminal? Let's go to what could change and the potential um, enhancements that could be made to institutional support for whistleblowers. I support, for example, a whistleblower commissioner or a whistleblower protection authority, Helen Haynes, who was instrumental in getting the National Anti-Corruption Commission up, is also very supportive of the whistleblower uh, protection concept in in some way, shape or form, as is Andrew Wilkie, the member for Clark. How would having um, a form of whistleblower protection via an authority or a specified commissioner make a difference to cases um, like the ones involving Boyle and, and McBride or indeed to other whistleblowers who come forward in the future? Australia's had whistleblowing laws at different levels of different kinds for 20 or 30 years now. Now, those laws aren't working, and partly they're not working because the laws need to be fixed, and we have and will continue to call for law reform, uh, and I know you have as well. But to me, the most important thing that can be done to better protect Australian whistleblowers is to give them a source of institutional support. Where whistleblowing laws are working overseas, it's because they have independent bodies that are overseeing, supporting whistleblowers, enforcing these laws. I think it's it's easy to just ask yourself, if I saw something wrong at work tomorrow, if I saw wrongdoing, corruption, fraud, where would I turn for support? In contrast to other areas, you know, if you're being underpaid at work, you can go to the Fair Work Ombudsman. If you're being discriminated against at work, you can go to a Human Rights Commission. But despite setting up these whistleblowing laws, we haven't set up a body to support whistleblowers to oversee these schemes and to enforce the laws that exist. That's why a whistleblower protection authority is so important. Such a body has been recommended by various parliamentary inquiries right back to the 1990s, more recently a bipartisan commitment in 2017. Labor took the idea to the 2019 election. It was a great idea then. It's a great idea now. And it's even better of an idea now that we have a National Anti-Corruption Commission because how is that body going to operate effectively if whistleblowers aren't supported to go to it? So in the case of Boyle and McBride, they've faced massive personal and professional consequences from blowing the whistle. Can you just unpack the kinds of detriment that people experience both in the workplace and outside the workplace from being whistleblowers? Unfortunately, we know from the research that all too often whistleblowers suffer for doing the right thing and speaking up about wrongdoing. There's empirical research that shows that um, as many as seven or eight in ten people who speak up at work faces some workplace consequences, whether they're demoted, whether they're bullied, whether they even lose their job. We've got the more high-profile cases of whistleblowers being sued by their employer for doing the right thing and then the, the cases of David McBride and Richard Boyer, which we've spoken about. We've got to find a way to stop that being the status quo because that's having a really negative impact on our society. Think about the wrongdoing that's being brought to light because brave people have spoken up. You know, whether it's the the Royal Commission into wrongdoing in the financial sector, that was sparked by whistleblowers. Whether it's the war crimes in Afghanistan uh, exposed by whistleblowers, whether it's misogyny in in, um, significant institutions where brave people have spoken up. 
But on the flip side, what don't we know? Because brave people are not speaking up because those risks and they can see what happens when people speak up. They can see that you lose your job, that you get sued, that you might even go to jail. That has a really negative impact on anyone who sees wrongdoing at work and thinks, well, what should I do about this? So to me, that's why this is so important because Australia is a better place when we have wrongdoing called out and addressed so that we live in a society that's fair, that's equitable, where people are not doing the wrong thing. And we see so many even just recent examples, the, the scandal at PricewaterhouseCoopers, there's other scandals in the, the accounting and auditing sector, issues at Qantas, issues at so many other important workplaces. Why weren't people speaking up? They don't have the support they need and the way whistleblowers are treated in Australia is a deterrent to speaking up. That's not good. That's what we need to fix. So is it arguable that without the kind of institutional whistleblower protections that you're talking about, that the National Anti-Corruption Commission that we've just set up will be undermined? Definitely. For anti-corruption authorities such as the National Anti-Corruption Commission, the state and territory equivalents, other law enforcement and integrity bodies to operate effectively, they need people going to it. Research shows that the number one way wrongdoing is called out and addressed is from insiders speaking up because that's the right thing to do. You know, we all want to work in workplaces that are ethical, that act lawfully. When that's not the case, when wrongdoing is happening, I think we'd all like to think that we'd speak up, but without the support mechanisms in place, that's not happening. And that means that the National Anti-Corruption Commission, ASIC, the Ombudsman, state and territory equivalents don't have people going to them and telling them about the wrongdoing because the cost of courage, the cost of doing that is just too high. That's what we need to address. And so under the Human Rights Law Centre's whistleblower project, you provide legal advice and representation to whistleblowers as well as the advocacy that you're doing this broader policy level. What do you hear from people who are considering blowing the whistle and how do you work through that with them? We've recently set up the Whistleblower Project. It's a new initiative to provide legal advice and representation to Australian whistleblowers. Um, it builds on very similar successful models overseas um, and so it's really exciting that we've got this off the ground and we're now in a position to help people practically in addition to the law reform and advocacy work that we're doing but what we hear is that people are afraid of blowing the whistle, um, but that for many of them they feel they have to do it anyway because they can't walk past the wrongdoing they see. You know, it's that famous phrase, you know, what you walk past is what you're willing to accept. And so these brave people come to us and they say, I need help in speaking up, and we try and provide that. We try and find safe, lawful, risk-free ways for them to speak up and because the law's not working, often that involves working with people like yourself, working with other members of parliament to use parliamentary privilege as a way to expose wrongdoing, going to regulators, going to journalists. The law enables all of that, um, but it's just not sufficiently effective to provide trust and confidence that people won't suffer anyway. So there's a lot of work to be done. We've you know, had a lot of people come to us with a lot of instances of wrongdoing, um, which is exciting in one way that we're able to help people um, because all of this is just sort of being a good citizen in society. The law says if you see something, you should speak up. We get taught from, you know, from when we're kids that, 
you know, telling the truth is important. We get told not to tell fibs because the truth matters in a democratic society. And what we're asking people to do is just to tell the truth. Um, but unfortunately, telling the truth for too long in Australia come with too many consequences, and that's what we try to address. Mm. And it's interesting, isn't it, that it, even in cases that you and I have discussed in regard to whistleblowers and that parliamentary privilege piece, that there are holes in each part of this process, that, which makes it diff- difficult to guarantee to the whistleblower that they will be protected, be it via going to a journalist, be it via going to a parliamentarian, be it via going through the the legal system, there is some risk to them, even if they are telling the truth, as the system currently stands. And I say to all of my clients, there's no risk-free way to speak up. There are only ways that minimise risk. That is the unfortunate reality at the moment. No, no matter what you do, when you're blowing the whistle, it's you against the might of a company, you against the might of a, a corporation, a government. That is an uneven playing field. Uh, the law is trying to level the playing field, but it's not working effectively. So that's why we need change. That's why we need an end to the prosecution. That's why we need law reform. It's why we need a whistleblower protection authority so that it doesn't feel like whistleblowers are alone when they speak up and it's all them versus the world. We need the community to wrap around them and say, you're doing a community service by speaking up about wrongdoing. Most of the people I work with, they don't think of themselves as whistleblowers. They just think they're doing the right thing. They're at work. They see something wrong. They speak up. They speak up internally. Nothing happens. They speak up to oversight bodies. Nothing happens. Maybe as a last resort, they go to a member of parliament. Maybe they go to the media. We need to make that easy and safe for people to do so that more of them can do it and that Australia will be a place with less wrongdoing, less corruption, less fraud, less human rights abuses as a consequence. That's the sort of Australia we want to be living in. Just going back to the press freedom issue and how that intersects with whistleblowers, how do you think the the press freedom space currently stands, particularly given the instances that you've talked about of journalists being targeted for um, raids and such. And within this reform process in regard to whistleblower protection, what potential changes are there to be made on the press freedom and protection of that to better strengthen this entire area? Yeah. So whistleblowing, press freedom, transparency, accountability are all related. You can't separate them out. I see this as all really parts of a bigger puzzle and a really important puzzle for our democracy. As you know all too well, given your prior work, press freedom is essential to Australia's democracy and to Australia's society. I think the raids on the ABC and News Corporation in 2019 were really a, a, a moment of shock for so many in Australia. We, we hadn't fully appreciated the lack of robust protections we didn't think that that was the sort of thing that happened in Australia. Journalists being raided was something that happened elsewhere, not not in Australia. And it was a reminder that our democracy is precious and that it can be undermined and that we've all got to take steps to ensure that press freedom, accountability and transparency are, are protected and not allowed to be eroded step by step. The Attorney-General, Mark Dreyfus, has committed to press freedom reform, to implementing recommendations that came out of parliamentary reviews following on from those raids. There's a lot of work to be done. 
Um, some of that work has just begun. And again, to its credit, the government has committed and is moving forward with, for example, it's reviewing secrecy offences that give rise to some of the investigations that lead to whistleblowers and uh, journalists being arrested and charged potentially. There's talk of harmonising shield laws, which are the way in which journalists don't have to give up their sources when they're um, participating in legal proceedings. Uh, and there's talk of um, a wider human rights overhaul. All of this to me comes down to the sort of the, the basic underpinning of our framework, which is in Australia, we are um, one of the only liberal democracies without a sort of overarching human rights protection, without protection for free speech and press freedom. You know, in places like England, in Canada, there are built-in protections in the law for press freedom, for free speech, for all of these other rights that mean that we live in, you know, a liberal democracy with all of the rights and freedoms we hold dear. At the moment, there's a parliamentary inquiry into a human rights framework. That sort of thing is really important. We've got to fix the individual laws, but we've also got to fix the underlying framework that means that all government decisions are taken in a way that respects and upholds human rights. Kieran, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Kieran Pender is an Australian writer and lawyer from the Human Rights Law Centre. And thank you for joining us on Find Your Voice. You can learn more about Zoe and her work in the Australian Parliament at zoedaniel.com.au. And if you enjoyed this episode, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. This podcast is authorised by Zoe Daniel, 677 Nepean Highway, Brighton East, Victoria. 